Welcome to Dialogues in Afro-Latinidad, a podcast dedicated to amplifying and elevating Afro-Latin American and Afro-Latinx histories, cultures, and communities. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Reed Vasquez. Join us for conversations with experts and artists to learn more about Afro-Latinidad. Venga. Welcome back. My name is Israel Herndon, and I am guest hosting five special episodes with participants from the 2022 Summer Institute on Afro-Latin American and Afro-Latinx Studies, funded by the National Endowment for the Humanities. This two-week conference was hosted by the Afro-Latinidad Studies Institute, which also runs this podcast. And today I'm excited to introduce to you Justo Planas. Born and raised in Cuba, Justo is an assistant professor of Spanish and endowed professor for the study of the Americas at Lemoyne College in New York. He earned his PhD in Latin American, Iberian, and Latino cultures from the Graduate Center in CUNY, and his MA in Latin American Studies from the National Autonomous University of Mexico. He is the author of the Latin American Cinema of Disenchantment, and co-edited the peer-reviewed compilation book Disseminated Island, Essays on Cuba. Justo is currently working on intersectional issues of gender and racial marginalization in contemporary Caribbean film, particularly narratives of sex tourism. His doctoral dissertation explored visual and literary depictions of Afro-descendant children in Cuba. Welcome, Justo. We're so excited to have you here. Me too. I'm very excited to have this conversation and be part of the podcast. Uh, I've been listening to your podcast for many uh, months, years, (laughs) and I'm happy to be part of that conversation. Oh, awesome. Long conversation you have with scholars. <laughs> yes. And just to get things started, you yourself are Cuban, but how did you specifically become interested in Afro-Latinidad specifically? Well, that's a good question. Um, as, a, as you mentioned, I was born and raised in, in the Caribbean, in Cuba in particular, in Havana. Um, and I lived in a predominantly Afro-Cuban neighborhood and my family is very diverse. But the studies I did in Havana, Mexico City, and New York, uh, the canonical literature, the visual arts, the cinema of Latin America that I was usually taught did not reflect the experiences of the people I grew up with. So uh, that was a contradiction to me. And, And that contradiction was even more clear to me when I became a professor and a researcher. At the City University of New York, uh, most of my literature students were from the Dominican Republic and Puerto Rico. And a good number of them were also Afro-descendant and and women. But you are supposed to teach them about white writers in general, male writers, writers that are typically from urban zones, Uh, from cultural centers of Latin America, distant from the Caribbean. And uh, these writers uh, make uh, most of the literary canon in Spanish. And when my Afro-Caribbean students told me at the beginning of the course, I always asked asked the question, why are they interested in in the course? and they, when they told me that they did, did not like literature and that they had to take the course because it was required, I completely understood why mm. uh, they they said that. So uh, to answer your question, in the courses I teach and my research, one of my goals is to fill the gap between the academia 
and the real people uh, that live in my region, including the experiences of Afro-descendants and also indigenous persons. Mm. And yeah, and that's super important that you're bringing that representation to your classroom and the work that you do. And considering that, what what are you passionate about in this topic? What what does your work look like? Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, uh, I have broad interests as a researcher. <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> <laughs> I have written about intersectional issues of race gender marginalization in music, uh, film, um, visual arts, and literature, of course. And as a matter of fact, uh, I just published an article about the depiction of sex tourism in a Trova song by Silvio Rodriguez um, and a Timba song by El Tosco, an Spanish film that takes place in Havana. And, and I think that this is important it is important to establish connections among these expressions uh, uh, because they all make, let's say, the fabric of what we call culture. So I am um, currently working on the link in between eroticism and tourism in contemporary Caribbean cinema, uh, though I am analyzing films in dialogue with other cultural expressions, including marginalized expressions, tattoos, graffiti, Reggaeton, uh, tourism, uh, as you probably know, is one of the main economic sectors in the Caribbean. And it is clear that transnational corporations and local governments to use long-standing stereotypes about Caribbean sexuality, particularly Afro-Caribbean women, uh, to promote their destinations in the North. So as different scholars um, have pointed out, you can see a constant flow of wealth to local elites and corporations located in formal colonial powers. Uh, this wealth comes at the cost of vulnerable Caribbean groups, usually Afro-descendants and Caribbean non-humans too, uh, because nature is an important part of that equation. And, and cinemas, the cinemas of the Dominican Republic, Cuba and Haiti uh, have reflected on and are a reflect, reflection of these global stereotypes about sun, sex, and beaches in the Caribbean. At the same time, in, in the particular case of sex tourism, uh, some, some of the cultural products that I am, that I am studying, including film, um, represent the exchange of money and eroticism between a tourist and a Caribbean person as the tip as the as the tip of a very complex relationship between people of diverse uh, gender identity, race, ethnicity, and even languages. So uh, I want to embrace that complexity in my mm. research too. Yeah. And you know, you yourself have taught some literature courses as well. So for this particular project, uh, why did you feel that film was the direction to explore this very diverse, complex topic in? Yes, that that's a good question. Uh, well, um, the international film industry and Hollywood in particular play a significant role in disseminating stereotypes about Latinos, the Caribbean people, 
and the Caribbean nature. Uh, Caribbean bodies and beaches are, are uh, typically the objects of visual pleasure in European and North American films, as you probably know. And Caribbean islands are the set of weddings and holidays in different Hollywood films. And uh, as Jamaica Kinkett says, the struggle of Caribbean peoples don't even cross tourists' minds because they are on holiday. And, mm. and that is also true for the first world film viewers. So Caribbean cinemas are a particularly challenging venue to contest the erorization and commodification of Caribbean life for different reasons. Um, first, we must not forget that cinema is not only an art, but also an industry. So uh, local filmmaker, filmmakers need to gather capital to produce the film and need to be able to sell it afterward. And ironically, a good amount of that capital comes from the North and the local elite. And so uh, they need to be able to create a narrative that pleases the same group whose power they want to question. Mm. And then uh, some of these films are supposed to be consumed by international viewers and critics, not necessarily in Africa or Asia, but in prestigious festivals based in important cities of Europe, the United States, and even Latin America. So um, to answer your, your question straight away, uh, it always intrigues me how Caribbean and Latin American movie makers are able to negotiate their own agendas with these other forces. And I can tell you that in the case of sex tourism in the Caribbean, they managed to do so using different tools. For example, um, I recently presented uh, at a conference about the use of parody in the Dominican film, La, uh, La, La Fiera y la Bestia, Holy Beasts in English. And, the Cuban film, uh, La Película de Ana, the movie of Ana. Uh, and, and these two films uh, use parody to challenge dominant narratives about eroticism and tourism in the Caribbean. So parody is one element that filmmakers use, but there are other elements. And that's why I am particularly interested in film because many groups from different backgrounds come into play in the creation of mm. meaning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's definitely it definitely seems like there's a lot at play here. The politics, yeah. the realities, the lived experiences, and also some of those tensions with tourism. And so the work that you do is uh, very unique and also super important. Um, but you were also one of the participants in our NEH Transnational Dialogues Conference. Yeah. So for you, how did the conference contribute to your previous scholarship um so what did that look like yes. for you? um it was it was a great experience indeed uh i did my phd in latin american cultures so even if i use an interdisciplinary approach the opportunity to learn from historians anthropologists political scientists and so many other scholars from other disciplines that are specialized in in your area that opportunity is unique and the conference made it possible the conference put together 
influential scholars in Afro-Latino studies whose books you know and read. And they came to discuss their research, to have a dialogue with emerging scholars that were in the conference uh, to answer questions and also to talk about the challenges they faced in the academia and, and more importantly, to advise you uh, about your research and teaching. So uh, the fact that Pitt's Afro-Latinidad conference was interdisciplinary and truly diverse and uh, the fact that it succeeded in bringing together great scholars in the field created a, a unique experience for all of us. And with that, since there were some, there was some big names, there was some of those interdisciplinary elements, what were some of your favorite topics or moments from the conference? Yeah, um, well, it, it was two weeks and I can tell you that I enjoyed every moment, except, you know, for the problem, the problems with the COVID that were still very present oh, yeah. last summer, yes. You remember, but but there were there are moments uh, of the conference that, uh, for different reasons, keep coming to my mind. The debates with George Reed Andrews about the racial democracy authors, uh, the um, candid reflections of Vanessa Valdez about her academic journey and passions. Oh, uh, the presentation of Laurent. Uh, Matori about Afro-Caribbean religions. Uh, oh, that was, was good. Also, yes, that was <laughs> good. It was also um, great when uh, Nancy Maribel shared with us the day-to-day -day, uh, or rather year-to-year -year process behind her research about the Cuban diaspora in New York. I also enjoy listening to Jerome Branch and his train of thoughts about Juan Francisco Manzano who was a you know, a 19th century poet, a writer, and an enslaved person in Cuba. And it was great to see how, despite the distance of time, geography, uh, despite the many differences, uh, Branch thought of Manzanoa as a very close and present person. And I am, uh, uh, I am happy to have met uh, Sean Alfonso Wells and mm -hmm. learn about her research we all love their, mm. our lover. Um, and of course, the groundbreaking work of Michelle Reed Vasquez uh, to create a community of scholars in Afro-Latino studies from different disciplines, background, backgrounds uh, with different approaches to the, to the field. Um, yes. yes. And thank you for sharing. And for our listeners who maybe don't know, Dr. Sean Alfonso Wells was one of our, uh, was running, a lot of the behind the scenes, yep. she was checking in yep. with our scholars as they were coming in. So she interacted with them a lot. And she is also a scholar in the field as well. And yep. uh, so what were some of your key takeaways from the conference after getting to process some of those moments that were big and getting to interact with different folks? What were some of the things that you really took away at the end of the conference? Um. Well, uh, in, a, in a nutshell, to me, the most important takeaway from the Afro-Latinidad conference that Michelle Ray Vasquez organized uh, in Pittsburgh is that these type of projects are not usually 
are not only important, uh, they are also necessary for the academia. And I am not only talking about the study of Afro-Latinidad, which is crucial, of course, but they need to have a truly diverse community of scholars. You don't usually see that. Uh, that, much that much representation of scholars from different ethnicities, languages, sexual identities at a conference or at any university in general. And the Afro-Latinidad conference had a complexity of dialogues and a range of perspectives that was only possible because of the diversity of the participants. And I'd say it is not random that the studies of Afro-Latinidad can bring so many people together. But the key takeaway uh, of the conference is that we must replicate that experience in other academic spaces and fields. Mm. And what are some resources that you can recommend to our listeners who are interested in learning more about Afro-Latin studies or um, specifically what you're talking about with sex tourism and the impact of tourism in the Caribbean? Okay, um, well, to the teachers, I'd say keep challenging your syllabi mm. and include more Latin American uh, Afro-Latin American creators and thinkers. Uh, I tried to do it and it is not easy uh, <laughs> because, you know, because their books are not available, are not, let's say, are, are not as available as the books of other authors. The films, uh, their films are difficult to find. And let me tell you for example, example, I am now doing the impossible to watch the films of uh, Jessica Generis, uh, who's a Haitian filmmaker. And it seems like an impossible task to watch uh, Haitian cinema from the United States. Uh, the movies of Bruno Mural, uh, for example, uh, Richard Piran, um, those um, Haitian film filmmakers. Um, but I I'd say if more and more scholars keep searching and asking for those names, platforms like Swank and Canopy will eventually have to acquire the films and make them available to our students. And uh, by the way, the Dominican Republic has produced a very good list of films um, uh, in the last few years. For example, Hotel Copelia uh, by um, Jose Maria Cabral, uh, Liborio by Nino Martinez Sosa. And also um, as a researcher, as you mentioned, I am now reading about eroticism, tourism, sex work in Latin America and the Caribbean. And I have read uh, a couple of times the book of Erica Lorraine Williams about sex tourism in Brazil, in Bahia in particular. I find it excellent. Uh, it's a great example of what uh, an intersectional research should be. And I also like the literary style of Williams, so I recommend it to, to the listeners. And, I also have the book, The Colonial Feminism in Abia Yala, in Cola Paralera, as we say in my country. And I think uh, Yuderkis Espinosa and other scholars of gender are changing the game of col the colonial studies. They are make making the field stronger and more complex too. And I am excited to see the directions that Latin American and Caribbean studies are taking. 
Yes, amazing. Uh, for those of you who want to access those resources, they will be available on michellereevvasquez.com slash podcast. So you can check out these resources. So you don't have to worry about searching for them. They'll be Those titles will be accessible right. to you. And thank you so much, Husto, for joining me today and for sharing a little bit about the work that you do. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a great project you are you are creating. And, and thank you for this conversation and for your questions. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of Dialogues and Afro-Latinidad, please subscribe to our podcast and tell a friend. For links to the resources mentioned in the interview, visit our website at michellereedvasquez.com forward slash podcast.